0: Welcome to the Yo! Show, it's Michael. Yo, thank you so much for watching my brand new comedy special, I Never Thought, just went over 60,000. Wow, all the love has blown me away. So I appreciate you, I really, really appreciate. It. If you've seen it, thank you. If you haven't seen it, check it out, spread the word. All right, but I'm excited to have in the studio, I performed the second, second- Second time, yeah. Second time, right, Dan? Well, second time. Uh, I performed with Dan a couple times in, I talked to Mark Cohen about you. Okay. And like, you literally have been in the cellar for. 20 something years since, since the, the 90s. Let's just leave it at that. Is, that. is that the start of the cellar, the 90s? No, the or? start of the
1: cellar I think was 1983. I'm not sure. I wasn't around, but yeah. I think it was like eighty in the 80s. So the when did 80s. you
0: get in, in the ni- early 90s? Mid 90s, yeah. Mid 90s. How Mid-90s. how was the cellar, well, how'd you get in? Did you have an audition?
1: Well, back in those days, the, the comedy cellar wasn't what it is today. It was a club like any other. And it wasn't like the best club in the city. It was one of several clubs in the city that were good. And in those days, they had a late-night thing where um, comics that were of lesser experience and or ability could perform after midnight, usually for very few people. Uh And it didn't pay any money. You got a free drink. So that's how I started. And it wasn't even booked by Estee. It was booked by a guy named uh, Mike Sweeney. No, Mike Royce. Mike Royce. Yeah, Mike Royce. Mike Royce, uh, he was the guy in charge of passing people, you know, auditions and... um, and then he went on to write for Everybody Loves Raymond and, and he's done other stuff. But anyway, at that time, he was the late night guy. So I auditioned the for late Mike late Sweeney, okay. I mean Mike Royce, I keep confusing them. Uh, I auditioned for Mike Royce, and then I would get on at the cellar, you know, every couple of weeks they'd put me on after like midnight. There usually wouldn't be very many people in the audience, because in those days it wasn't the club that it is today.
0: So what was it like? Paint the picture for people. Like, what was it like back then? Was it empty? Was It, it wasn't it like-
1: empty, but like any other club during the week, they had a hard time filling the seats. And certainly as as the hour advanced and it got toward you know midnight, there were less and less people in the audience. And uh, it was one long show, unlike today, I think they have two or three shows during the week. It was just one long show and people came and they went, they came in, they came out. And uh, by the time I got on stage, maybe there was, if I was lucky, there was 10 people in the audience. Huh. Uh, so sometimes there would be nobody in the audience and the wait staff would sit in the seats to make, just in case somebody came in, it would look like th- there's a show going on. So they did that. So again, it was, uh, it was not the club that it is today. You know, uh, the weekends were good, but the weekday was, you know, was a bit slow.
0: What are the comics you came up with?
1: Um, well, when I started, uh, on the open mic level, uh, Zach Galifianakis was there. Um, I mean, you know, um, who'd I start with? Um, that's still doing it. Well, you would what know. were the
0: names that would pop
1: into like <laughs> well, the main? Well, Tell was already a few years in when I started, okay. and he was already kind of a name. Even then, even like the mid '90s, it was oh Dave, oh shit, David Tell. Uh, Louis was a na- was already kind of a name, not a household name, but these were people that were a name amongst the New York comedy. Was Burr up then? In- yeah, Burr was around. Yeah, uh-huh. Burr was around. I didn't do open mics with him, but uh, he might have started a little earlier than me. Geraldo, Greg Geraldo started a little earlier than me it was more let was fairly new when i started
0: um what was a comic that you saw the first time and you go this is the guy that's going to be huge did that ever happen yeah but i'm always wrong you know (laughs) i mean
1: i never can predict it i don't know how predictable these things are Uh you know i mean um well who blew you away that you loved? do you remember that person i was like rick shapiro and and he obviously is not a known person, but he's had some health issues too, which do you know, Rick? No, I don't. Oh, he's a guy out of New York, and I always enjoyed him a great deal. And um, but he, you know, he's had some health problems too, which didn't help him. But he, no, he never really, you know, became. A, he was in Louis' show, the first show, Lucky Louis. He had a role in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis would always use him in his his short films before Louis became anything. Um, Atel, but he was already kind of established when I started um this guy greg hahn that i really liked and i um, heard of greg hahn yeah, yeah i don't know what he's doing now but so so like i, I didn't predict anybody that actually blew up <laughs> you
0: know? so if you didn't pick them that was a better chance they would blow up yeah
1: the people i said i don't get it those are the people that went on to big <laughs> no i don't know it's i think it's hard to predict I, yeah. I think you can i i only can tell you who i like i can't tell you who's gonna make it
0: yeah you know i thought godfrey would be bigger than he is godfrey is the one of the most talented people on earth like i I don't understand how he's not bigger. Like the guy yeah, it's is a weird, so talented. It's a weird
1: business, you know, I guess is is, is the is the lesson.
0: Yeah. Him. yeah. I don't know. Um. So, yeah. so how was, I mean, of course, comedy has changed throughout the years. What's the biggest difference you're seeing today? Well, the back-
1: biggest difference is social media. In those days, we all waited around to get like somebody from Hollywood to tell us, okay, you can be in this sitcom. And that was the way you became famous, generally speaking. I mean, some people became famous, I guess, like Dice, Became famous as a stand up. But I think that was rare. And so did, uh, um, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, Stephen Wright. Uh, they became famous as stand ups. But most stand ups who became famous became famous because they were on a sitcom. They were a little bit famous, but then they went on a sitcom and they became really famous. Uh, like Roseanne Barr and mm-hmm. Brett Butler and Seinfeld. Uh, Seinfeld, yeah. And he was already well known, but yeah. Um, but he became much, much bigger. So that's what we were all waiting for. Now people get famous from YouTube, from Instagram. They get famous, but in a more nichey way. Like Seinfeld was famous all over the world. You go anywhere and you say Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. and everybody knows who he is. I don't know that everybody knows who. A lot of like uh, like um, <clears throat> Andrew Schultz, you know, he has a big following. uh Chris uh, Chris uh, De Stefano, but I don't know how many if they're household names.
0: Yeah, they would. They it's it's interesting. They're not household names, but they're. Audience kind of lots them, loves, loves them, and there's
1: enough of them to make these people a lot of money. But it's not like the kind of fame that Roseanne Barr had. Yeah, when she was in the you know in the early. It's 90s. interesting,
0: getting away from comedy, there's people on social media that have millions and mil- twenty over twenty million followers. And if they walked in front of me, I wouldn't know who they mm-hmm. are. That's how niche right. things yeah. are, there are today. people like
1: that too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's more niche based.
0: If you could go back and change one thing in your career, was there a time, because I feel like all throughout our career, we're offered something or an opportunity comes up and you make a yes or no decision that you feel that like could, oh, that would have altered.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. And re- well, you know, when I did Last Comic Sandy for the first time and a lot of a lot of some people, I guess, know the story that I didn't get in the house, but that was controversial because the judges. I don't know if you. Remember no, I
0: that. didn't. I didn't see the first season. Please oh, enlighten no, I was, me.
1: No, I was in season two. Season two. But, but, um, so like, I didn't get in the house, but the judges all voted for me, and the judges kind of made a big to do about it at uh, in Las Vegas here, here in Las Vegas at the Paris Hotel, actually, um, and said, "Wait a minute, we voted for Dan to go forward. Why didn't we go forward? Why didn't he go forward?" And the and the uh, the network said, "Well, you know, it was." You don't really make the decision. We make the decision, but you kind of help to guide us. So anyway, yeah, it was like kind of a little bit of a controversy or a
0: scandal back then. So so, why don't you think you move forward?
1: They didn't want because they were casting a house.
0: They uh. were casting
1: a house. But they didn't expect the judges to get all adjun- they, they didn't expect like a revolt. Who were the judges at that the time? At the time it was uh, Brett Butler, uh, Drew Carey, um, <clears throat> uh, 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 Anthony... Uh, What's that called? Anthony Clark. And there was one other person, but I name escapes Okay, okay. Somebody that was not quite as well known. Um, anyway, um, so then they called me up and said, you can go in the house, we're gonna put you in the house as like a wild card. <laughs> and then, but I didn't, I said no because I was so disgusted with the show. So if I had to go back and change something, I would have gone in the house that year. I don't know what, what that have done for me. You know, Bonnie McFarlane was in the house that year. Rich, was Rich Fuss? No, he was in the previous year, I think. Uh, Bonnie McFarlane was in the house that year. Jay London was in the house that year. Um, Corey Holcomb, I believe, was in the house that year. Um, I believe... What year was uh, Alonzo this? Alonzo Bodden. It was like 2004 or so. Okay, yeah. So those people were in the house. None of them at... Gary Gummer was in the house. I don't think it necessarily changed any of their lives, but it was helpful. Yeah. So who knows?
0: It's, it's you know. still... Everything's like a... Um call a it ladder it, like everything's a step
1: yeah you know so there are very few life-changing things it used to be um i don't know if it, it's an overstatement to say that if you did the tonight show
0: in 1987 it could change things
1: fairly quickly
0: yeah because you've got 30 million yeah, people, that people that, that watch that show but then i've talked to several people at the cellar that's been on the tonight show with Johnny Carson back in the day, like several times. And they were like, it didn't do nothing. But then you hear about the overnight stories where at least your phone's ringing from the clubs, because that's so amazing that that was really the late night shows were really the only outlet that other clubs in the country would know to book you. Like that was basically the booker. Like if you got that shot, at least your phone would ring throughout the country to get booked. And you might get a sitcom deal. You know, a lot of people did. In Montreal mm-hmm. uh, for, what was that? Just for last. Just, just for, lab, just yeah, for last. I mean, I heard, like, I wasn't in comedy at that time, but they would just pluck comedians and just yeah, they relatively were, huge, new sick, comedians. shoot sitcom deals.
1: They would give them several hundred grand, which is nice money today, but it was even nicer money yeah. back then. I mean, that kind of money back then, you know, you could have bought an apartment in New York and invested and really would have... Set you set you up pretty good if you didn't blow it. Yeah, but two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand um, dollars. Yeah, to very, very oftentimes new comics to do, to to have a sitcom, and most of the time the sitcom didn't go anywhere. You know, they would do a pilot, and and the pilot wouldn't get picked up, or it got picked up and ran for two or three episodes, yeah, and that was the end of it. But you made enough money that if you were smart about it, could it was a very nice way to say goodbye to your day job. Yeah. You know, pretty 100%. much
0: forever if you if you did it what right. What was what was your day job or worst job? Well,
1: like. I did uh, telemarketing. I did I did I did proof I did legal proofreading cuz I have a law degree. That sounds
0: miserable. Um
1: and and um, and I did uh, I did telemarketing. Oh. Were you good at it? Um no, no, I'm a <laughs> terrible salesman. I I was always a kid at school that but it was an easy telemarketing job because we didn't have to sell anything. We just had to there was a free trial. Okay. <laughs> so you all, we got credit, if, if, but they had to send it back on their, like it was like they had to, it was like we were sending these, at the time it was books. These like, I forgot, it was Faulkner and Gray was the name of the company. And it was like these books, like uh, industry, like credit, credit card industry, I, I, uh-huh. I forgot what it was. But we called them up and say, we wanna give you this book as a free trial. And all you gotta do is if you don't like it, you send it back. So they had to make the commitment to send it back and pay to send it back
0: i would guarantee you most but, people didn't send it back
1: well that, that was the hope is that yeah. they didn't send it back so we got credit just for sending it
0: Ah, okay. so it
1: was easier than selling because all we had to do was they had to agree to 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 receive the
0: book what was your worst job coming up well those were the only two, two jobs really you, had that in, you, that you i had in so, my adult life so how old were you when you started staying up like really starting to uh, make I was, money well, i was in
1: school I, I, I was in law school and it was, okay. it was in, in 1993. I didn't start making money till after last comic standing in about 2004. So that, that's when I kind of started to be able to not do it. So what were, uh, what'd your folks
0: think about? Oh, he's, uh,
1: well, um, I had my degree and, oh, and, okay. and, and, so they figured he has his degree and, uh, they were okay with it. Um, also, because I have two older sisters that did normal shit, so I think, when, once you're the third one, they're like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> two out of three, is you know. that You can't expect three kids to just have everything do, you know, do everything right. So if you have one kid, and I'm, it's not like I'm a drug addict or went to jail, I just went into comedy, which some might find to be just as bad, but... Um, that's pretty good for three kids. And two of them are normal and do normal shit and, you know, and get married and have kids and have normal jobs. And only one, is sort of goes off in a different way.
0: So does your family think you're funny?
1: I mean, uh, well, they, they, they say they do. They, but they, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's not like, like a lot of families, their parents and their siblings really seem to really be behind what they're doing in a, in a huge way. yeah, uh, and, and that's not really the case. <laughs> um, you know, they acknowledge that other people think I'm funny. I mean, okay, they can't well, deny good. if people are laughing. They can't say, well, he wasn't laughing. Uh, whether they think I'm hysterical, they say the right things. Oh, good job. I, I, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not getting a sense that they're like... You're
0: you know, not their favorite hugely, comedian. I
1: don't think they have a favorite comedian. Okay. They're not comedy-oriented people. So oh, okay. how, how, I, how I wound up uh, on this path, I don't know but um I, yeah i'm an outlier really cuz my family is very un-show busy, you know a lot of people their families or their father was you know he might have he, he at least a musician or you know uh was in theater lo- local theater or whatever did something in the show but there's nobody in my family that
0: really what's was. what's the hardest thing cuz you've been doing it over 20 years now like 25 yeah we'll years. just leave it at that yeah, oh, okay, 25 over 20, plus 25, 25 plus. plus what what do you see as the hardest thing just to in the comedy business, you know, because I, I I'm hitting eleven years. You're, oh, why? Wow. You're a baby. I had no idea you were I'm that a baby. new. Yeah, yeah. You started a
1: little bit later, but but also you're oh, young. I started
0: when I was uh, thirty six. Oh, oh, that's very late. Yeah, that's very yeah. Late. But it also gave me at least I had stuff to talk about. Yeah, like I had right. real life stuff to talk about. But I'm a baby in comedy compared to you. But like, I always wonder, like, when people do it twenty five plus years. What is the drive behind it? Still, what is like? What is the toughest thing about well, keep yeah. doing it, to stay doing it?
1: Well, I mean, um, yeah, you know, you you do like, uh, I mean, you, you do have to keep motivated. But I mean, I try to do new material. I also wrote that book uh, that I was selling last yes. time I was
0: here. So I'm trying. What's the to, name
1: of the book? Uh, well, I'll plug it. Okay, it's called Iris Spiro Before COVID, and it's it's available on Amazon, and it's there's free samples available too. By the way, so you can read it four chapters for free, but it's about a comedian. So I drew from my own experience, but um, heavy, heavily fictionalized. <laughs> but in any case, it was a new challenge that I offered myself because you need new challenges. Yeah. You know, I've done comedy in French, which you may or may not know. No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, I've, I've done it. Uh, well, I've started studying French about 20 years ago, just as a hobby. And then eventually I was able to get good enough to do 10 minutes of stand up, 15 minutes of stand up. So I've been to Paris and I've uh, also in Quebec, I've done. Now did it crush up there? In Quebec was, yeah, yeah, no, I, I did well in Paris, but I killed in Quebec. There's this club called the Le Bordel Club uh-huh. uh, in Montreal, which is an all French-speaking comedy club, and the audiences are amazing. Comedy is relatively new in French Canada, I guess, and they're really, they love it, and, um, and I really annihilated
0: up there. That, that's my dream is to learn Italian and do comedy in Italian. I don't know why I want to do that, but... Well, it's doable. I mean, first of all,
1: you don't have to learn it perfectly. You can learn enough to do your jokes. Yeah. I mean, at this point I do speak French fairly well, but when I started the first time I did comedy in French, I basically just remem- I memorized the the uh my jokes in
0: French. Did you did you how'd you learn it? Cuz there's so um, many different ways yeah, to learn Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I I started it before you two. but um well, first I just started with books. Uh-huh. And then I then I graduated to um like the magazines was the first thing. So you never got into a class? No, or I did take a few cl- courses at the Alliance Francaise in New York for about 10 weeks, but that wasn't really, most of my learning has been at home. First with books and magazines, then with television. And, um, you know, and, and, and um, yeah, so, and then with movie, the hardest is movie, the hardest is rap. That's the hardest, uh-huh. trying to understand a French rap song. <laughs> You know I mean, can you imagine like you your English is like not great, and you're trying to understand rap in English. You know, you, that's really the highest level, yeah, but um and then there's a difference between understanding and speaking, so you also have to speak. So I try to get together with people in New York that are French, if I can find them. Uh-huh. And there's websites where you, there's like websites.
0: There's meetup groups for there's French? There's
1: meetup groups of people that want to learn English and, and you want to learn French. So you get together and you spend a half hour speaking French and then a half hour speaking well, Mostly you're just there trying to get laid. But you're also like, because, you know, you, you, can, you can meet chicks there too.
0: Right? <laughs> um, but so I, I take it you're single? Yes. Have you ever been married? No, I never have. No,
1: never okay. I'm, I'm in a long, I follow a long tradition of comedians that have never been married, like the great David Tell, the great Todd Barry, the great Greg Rogel, uh, the great Louis Black, I don't think has ever been married. And now you. And now, I follow in a long tradition of comedians that aren't maybe quite right in okay, when
0: you Okay, when, when, when you do date a girl and it ends, do they have, because the only reason I ask this is because every time I broke up, or got broken up with the girl always said every single girl always said the same thing. You're so selfish. So I knew I had to work on being selfish. Mm-hmm. Is there a running theme when you break up with someone or someone breaks up with you? Like why it's not working?
1: Well, I don't think there's a running theme. Yeah. Mine I don't was think running. there's a constant, uh, theme. What's the Just constant? Run,
0: no, there is not a constant. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I guess it's good when there's a constant. At least you can fix it. Well, at that. least you
1: know what, what to work on. See, yeah. I
0: knew. Yeah, I know. Like, as soon as I am stopped being selfish and worked on that, I could get, you know, find the person. So, I don't know. What do you think it is, Dan?
1: I, I think it's just not for me, you know. The, oh, the marriage thing. Yeah, the, 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 the long-term,
0: you know, okay. commitment thing. <laughs> I don't think it's for me. The only commitment is stand-up for you.
1: Well, that's the only one that has been. Yeah. It's the only one that has been, you know, wow. that I've kept with. There you go. For this long. You're loyal. And French. And French. Yeah. What made you want to take French? Well, I wanted to learn a foreign language. You had to pick one. Yeah. But, um, I had just come back from Montreal doing Jimbo's comedy club. Okay. Shortly after nine 11, I just kind of, that's how I remember when it was, um, and I was just up there and I was just around French. My parents are, are from Montreal, by the way. Uh, they're English speakers, but we used to go there as, when I was a kid all the time. But for some reason, French never interested me then. But then I came back from this trip, all of a sudden I had French in my head, you know? Because uh, I was spending time in downtown where it's very bilingual and people were sort of switching back between the mm-hmm. two. I thought, well, that's pretty cool to be able to go back and forth between the two like that. The two languages. So I got home, and I, at that time, I was spending a lot of time at the bookstore, because in those days, there was a bookstore on like every block, before the internet just blew the bookstore industry yeah. apart. And you could just hang out and read, and you never had to buy anything. You buy a coffee at the cafe, and you sit you on a chair, and you read. And I spent hours there because I had a roommate, and I, was, I, I didn't want to interact with my roommate. <laughs> Because it was a small apartment and there was nothing against him, but I was just like, I. I You need your space. So I would go there and read a lot. And then I, so I started, I started reading French books, you know, reading like French, like, you know, how to learn Baron's French the fast and fun way. I think was my first book that I picked up. Okay. And and it just started off on the conjugations. Je suis, vous êtes, you know.
0: And then from there. I remember, I took French, all I remember is Jim Appel, Michel, uh, Ashtay de Bombon buy buy candy. Yeah. My name is Michael, I want to buy candy. That's all I remember from my French class. That's it. Well, that'll get was you by <laughs> for a little bit. Well,
1: that that's enough to start a conversation and then and then the French person might realize that English is a better option <laughs> and then just respond in English. But at least you've shown that uh, you have you respect, you you made the effort.
0: Do cuz sometimes I feel like if you make the effort in other languages and you just not good at it? They get more frustrated then.
1: Well, they usually, and my, I have a joke about that, if you've watched, uh, you know, about how people just answer you back in English. Yeah. I don't think they're frustrated. I, I, well, I think they just figure, well, all right, thank you for the
0: effort. Okay, but now so let's you think they English. appreciate that? I
1: think so, I think oh, so. Good. And now let's, let's speak English, so that, <laughs> which will facilitate communication better than- Do
0: you, you mind know? if I uh, add something? No, please my, do. So my grandmother lived in France um, and I went there and visited her for a week. And they are embarrassed they don't know English and they don't want you to try. They want to they speak English to you. They don't want you to. So my grandmother was always like, I don't need to know French. They, they want to try and speak English. Do you, do you think that's true or do you know about that Yeah, as well? they
1: do. They do want to show off their English. Well, but I found a mixed bag. Some do. Some are happy to see me because they're like, oh, you're American. Great. I can speak English. Others are, are, are shy because they don't think their English is very good. Others don't speak it at all, so they don't make the effort. But but there's a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of them. Um, and then you have to. It's like a, it becomes like a battle because I want to practice my French. They want to practice their <laughs> English. It's like, all right, guy, what are we going to do here? We got a bit. Of, we got a problem. You know. And then it be, it becomes a sort of like who's gonna who's gonna back down first? And it's usually me. <laughs>
0: What, what, uh, we'll get, we got, we got to go. We hit our 30 minutes, but, that, that quickly. Oh yeah. It goes by fast. It, it goes by fast on the Yo Show. it's We're at it 25 minutes. We got to start wrapping this thing up. Buddy. Okay. Wrap it up. Wrap uh it up. Put So a bow on it. do you remember the most epic night you've been a part of at the cellar? Has it been one of those epic nights? Cause I see, I see the pictures. It's like today it's different. You know, there's social media, so you get it right yeah, away. Yeah, but, yeah. There's Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, I, I,
1: there was one night where it was like all those guys and I was not there. Then there was another night Madonna showed up and went on with like Amy Schumer and I wasn't there for that either. So I wasn't there for those those ones. Has there, wh- but I've been there for like, I've been there for like Aziz and Chris Rock will be there on the same night or Chappelle and Chris Rock. I don't think I've ever been there for th- with three huge names. Who's um, the
0: biggest person you ever had to go after?
1: Okay. Chappelle or Chris Rock, yeah. And how how do but the you most th- famous person I've ever seen? Well, I don't know about the most famous. The one that to me was the most, like holy shit, was was Katy Perry, because I'm just not used to. Yeah. I'm used to seeing Chris Rock, it's like oh Chris Rock, I say who cares? <laughs> I'm used to seeing these people, uh, Robin Williams. I'm you know, so yeah, I've, you're, you're coming. All those of whom I've seen. See. Him, yeah. It's like who? Okay, and but but Katy Perry's in a in a different world than I am. She was there with John Mayer, who's a comedy fan. Uh, oh, so, this must
0: have been like 10, 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, whenever when they, they were, were dating. dating yeah. yeah, when they were dating. So now, would you tell a joke and see? Ch- try to glance to see if they were laughing? Yeah, they were like in the corner and uh-huh. it was dark.
1: I couldn't really see them. Okay. Um, but Katie did say it was funny afterwards. I guess, I don't know if she's being polite or she meant it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so, so um, oh, you know, Steely Dan, what's that guy's name? Donald Fagan from Steely Dan. Yep. You know him? No, I don't. He was man. in the audience. Well, still, he has a pretty big band. And I he, know they're a big band. Donald yeah. Fagan is the lead singer of one of the two. And he was in the audience one night, and I kept looking at him, and nothing. <laughs> Stone <face>. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And our Canadian listeners, will, or your Canadian listeners, will appreciate uh, Burton Cummings, a lead singer of the guest, who was also in the audience. But he, he was laughing. He was laughing. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. He came up to me, and he said, he's Canadian. He said, hey, good show, eh? And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a performer, I'm a musician. I'm like, oh, okay. And they said, oh, yeah, you know the band, the guess who? I was like,
0: oh, okay, yeah. There you go. Now, yeah. so you said you've gone after, like, you know, some greats, Chris Rock, uh, Dave Spell. Like, you've done it for so long. Does Is that mentally, like, you do it a different way? What's your approach to yeah, going Yeah, I don't after- think people sometimes are like, oh, my God, you got
1: to follow Chris. No, I don't think it's hard. I think the audience, the only time it's hard is if Chris Rock does three hours and the audience yeah. is literally passed out. <laughs> You know, or Chappelle like does these marathons, then it can be hard. But if if they're doing a normal length, the audience is happy. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I've had no. I don't know if I've ever actually gone up directly after Chappelle. I have gone up directly after Chris Rock. No problem. Okay. No, no no
0: nerves or anything.
1: The first time I was because I didn't know. I thought, oh, you know, I had it in my head that it's hard to follow Chris Rock, but it really isn't. Yeah. Do your thing. The audience is happy. They're thrilled. They're excited. It might take them a couple. A minute or two to calm down, but that's what the MC is for.
0: Yeah, my time I'm on stage. Yeah, it was I, fine. I love the one thing. I remember the first time I got off stage. I called my mom and said, "This is what I was born to do." What I love about the stage, it doesn't care who you are. It just cares if you're funny, no matter who you go before or who you go after, and it's. I feel it's the most equal place. Well,
1: yeah, you know, and then uh, on a related note, comedians, um, MCs will say, "Well, what do you want me to say?" Like comedians will bring you up, "You've seen him on The Tonight Show, you've seen him yeah. on this show. I was like, "It don't matter. They're not going to judge me yeah. by that. They're going to yeah. judge me by the joke." And you could tell them, "This guy's the king of the world." If the jokes aren't funny, they're not going to laugh. And you could tell them, "This guy hasn't done anything," and, and it, if the jokes are funny, they will laugh. So I uh, did just say he's a regular here. And you could throw in Conan if you want
0: yeah you know? and, and, and but that's what I love about the stage man. It does not matter who you are and I feel it's in America where everything is unequal to different people at different times. I feel like the stage is the only place that's always equal because if you're funny, you're funny it does not matter the crowd if the crowd goes with you, they go with you, and if they don't they don't it's all on you that's, that's what I love about it yeah. That's my favorite thing. Uh, where can people reach out to you, see you, your book, play your book well, one the more Well, the book,
1: time? once again, Iris Spiro Before COVID. It's about a neurotic New York comedian. So, you know, <laughs> where do I get these ideas? Um, <laughs> on Amazon. Um, and at Dan Natterman on Instagram or Twitter. And, uh, you know, to right. keep, keep tabs on me if you want. All right, uh, All right yeah, Dan. Well, thanks for popping by. I'll see by. you tonight. Thank you, I'll Michael. see you tonight. All right. Thanks for watching The Yo Show.